I'm Christina. And I'm Megan. And this is The Aftermath of Sex. I'm a certified nurse midwife. And I'm a registered nurse. And this is not medical advice. How's it going? Well, it's going good. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Where was this the episode we're gonna I want you're gonna tell your story? Was it? About my harrowing tale. Your harrowing tale. I suppose I could tell it right now. It's a situation. I know. I've been waiting days to hear it. Well, yeah, I made you wait days because I wanted your initial reaction. Yeah. So have you ever floated the Upper Chattanooga River I've to never floated any river because I'm a little afraid of wait water. Wait, what? You live in Alaska? You've never been on an Alaskan river float? In a canoe. Oh, okay. No, I mean I've gone on the river in a boat. Yeah, not, well, but like when I think of floating down, I think of just like you like know a how tube. people like tube. Yeah. Down the tube. No, I'm talking about a raft. Oh, okay, like sure. have you ever been on the Chattanooga River? No, I haven't been on the Chattanooga River. Yeah. Okay. So um, a few years ago, Brandon went with his buddies in a raft, and yeah. it was great. It was okay, a wonderful okay. time. Yeah. So we decided, you know, we're gonna. I had a day off, and so we're gonna spend the day on the river yeah and brandon was like well we had the whole day and this this float was about eight hours just paddling okay. so it's a whole day float um I going question though yeah How did, did you take two cars yeah okay yeah so um the logistics of that is always it's you have to stage the vehicle it's yeah. a plan you know yeah. and it, it took us about an hour and a half to two hours to just stage the vehicles because it's okay. so far away sure um so you know, when he went, it was beautiful. There was no problems that could be foreseen. Okay. And it's an eight-hour float without paddles for them. And so okay. we knew it was going to be all day. But we have a motor for our raft. Okay. And so you, we thought, you know, we'll paddle most of it because we like just being outdoors. And yeah. the kids are going to fish. And and then we'd motor where it was deep. Right. Okay. Yeah, so we got on the river around 1230. Okay. And we are having a great time. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day. And you guys all have life jackets on. We all have life jackets. It's a okay. rule okay. in Alaska that anybody under 18 needs a life jacket on any body of water. But we all, even adults, were wearing our life jackets. Okay. Um, there was two kayaks and our big raft. So we have a cataract. It's got two you know, oh, yeah. um, with it's got like two air tubes in the mesh and then there was five seats and okay. like a platform where my dog usually lays, but we put a cooler there. My dog, it's too long for the dog kind of. Yeah. So we had her um, go to daycare. Okay. Um, anyway, so, you know, we get about, I don't know, an hour and a half in and we've had to pull the boat a couple of times just because it's shallow and, and, you know, we'd have to get off and pull the oh, boat because okay. the water's stuck. Yeah, like you couldn't paddle because it's too close to the ground. Sure. Or the river bottom, if you would. And so we're about an hour and a half in and there's been some beaver work. So there's a downed tree. Okay. That goes across the entire river. Oh, no. 
So, like, this is a big raft. Yeah. And so we had to portage around the tree. We took the motor off the boat. We had to unload and we had to go around. And you guys couldn't move the tree in the water? No, it was a big pine tree, an Alaskan pine tree, across the entire body of water. I'll post some pictures so you can get a full effect of the situation. So, you know, we worked on it. We got through it. We went around it. Well, then I had to start dragging the raft through more really shallow water. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, um, my husband, and he was like, well, you know, the beginning was pretty shallow when I went to, and it gets much, you know, deeper as you go. And so I was like, oh, it'll be great. And it's beautiful. We're one with nature. Were you concerned about the raft, like getting a hole or something? In well, it's shallow water. Or? Well, it's a huge, like there's, if one compartment goes, there's three others. Like okay. it's not, okay. it's a huge boat. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't concerned about that okay. so much. <laughs> and then um, that happened once. And then it happened again where there's these trees that are just down. And so wow. now we're like trying to maneuver this huge boat without removing all the things because right. it takes so long. Yeah. And that happened like, not one or two or three or four times, but like five or six times. I am not kidding. Cause there's so many, I, we saw at least six beavers Oh wow! and you can't foresee this. Like there's right, nobody there's that no maintains the river. Right. And so, and like, we're the only ones on the river. We're like, what a beautiful day. We have yeah. nature to ourselves. Yeah. And then we're like, Oh, this is why nobody comes down this river because yeah. all of these beavers have gone to town. Yeah. So I am like, hoisting the the raft through the river and then there's parts that are like moving very quickly and there's sweepers and if you don't know what a sweeper is it's a low-lying tree that if that has current underneath and it pulls you and sucks you in and knocks you out of your boat sweeps you out well i was paddling at one point because Brandon had been rowing for so long that his shoulders were tired and um so we're like i don't know six hours in and i'm telling you we're not even halfway there wow yeah and um because you can't put the motor down because it's too shallow right and so we hit the sweeper and like i'm rowing and i'm not strong enough to row the sweeper it's it'll suck your boat in and then it knocks the people out yeah so the sweeper is like this tree that kind of is out over the water and there's water under flowing underneath it but it's super quick and then it's um the water is like swirling around underneath the tree okay. and it's going like pushing you into the bank of the river. Okay. And so you're trying to like paddle backwards so you can get away from the sweeper. Right. Well, I just wasn't strong enough for that particular current in that moment. Right. I was doing fine before. So I told everybody to hit the deck and they all like get on the mesh bottom of the boat. And then I am trying to get us out of it. And I, we just run into the sweeper. I get knocked out of the chair onto the floor my <laughs> my whole leg i'm just pinned we're all pinned under a pine tree okay wait you're under a pine tree. yes like you guys are under the boat you're no in we're the boat. in the boat under the pine tree and stuck there under the pine tree yes and, and we're just stuck there that's why you told everyone to hit the deck so hit they wouldn't get that they won't get knocked out of the boat holy and moly. so yeah uh-huh okay. and so poor <laughs> 
Corlin's in the back. How scary. She's, she's on the, on the, <laughs> she's on the mesh and her hands are above her head and she's laying down and her eyes are wide and there's like a tree right in front of her face. It's not touching her, okay. but it's like in her face uh-huh. because we're all covered by a pine tree. Oh and so me, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I can't get up because there is a pine tree on top of me because I was still sitting on the seat and it knocked me out of the seat and then slammed down on top of me, the branch. So Brandon is like, how can I help you get up? I'm like, I can't move. Like I I'm trapped. And so he started manhandling because he could move. He was, he was backed by Corlin. Okay. So, which was great because then his, he was taller than her. So nothing was touching her. Okay. And then he was able to move and, get all of these branches one by one unstuck from this boat. Wow. Yeah. And they could have been really bad. Like we all could have gotten knocked yeah, off and knocked injured. Off. Yeah, and no kidding. it took a little bit, but we were able to get out of that. And then he was like, you can't row anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fair. So it's like, um, we got on the river around noon 30. And it, so it's six thirty seven o'clock at night. Um, the mosquitoes started coming out in mm-hmm. force and we had three cans of mosquito dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, th- we ran out of right. mosquito dope because they were swarming us in hundreds and thousands of mosquitoes. Oh, no. There's a p- picture of my niece that I took and it's just, you can see oh, all the mosquitoes. Are- there? So it was my niece, my two babies and my in-laws and Brandon and I. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, we're, we're just making our way. And thank God for the midnight sun because yeah. we got off the river at 2 a.m. Wow. We got on at 1230 and yeah. got off at 2. And then remember, we had to stage our car. So right. we left at 8 in the morning and we got home 4 a.m. the next morning. Wow. But that sweeper was the thing that's we got we. We got into a couple of sweepers, but none that were no, that no, bad. That's really it was really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm hmm. I'm glad you guys made it out. It was quite the, um, well, my work wife called it the Alaskan misadventure because okay. it was adventurous, but but there was a lot of missteps. <laughs> she showed me, I was at work that night and she showed me, I came on shift and she's like, oh, you want to see what Christina's doing? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I know. I sent her a picture. I think it was 4 a.m. And I was like, I just made it home. Oh my gosh. And she showed me one before. You must have sent her one before that because... Oh, on the river. Yeah. yeah. River. When everything was, was rainbows happy. and yeah. butterflies. <laughs> oh my goodness. The mosquitoes were the worst. Everything would have been just fine if the mosquitoes weren't so terrible. Yeah. But after the sun went down a little bit and it got yeah. cooler, it was just, oh, at one point, <laughs> I was pulling and then having to jump on the raft. So I would pull the whole raft to get everybody unstuck, like the boat unstuck, but everybody would be on. And then once, I could feel that it let loose because there was deeper water. I would quickly jump on the raft and try to like get back in. Well, this one time it let loose. (laughs) I jumped up, but I was wet because I was up kind of that time, not to my shins, but more like to my um, quads. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I jumped up, but I was slippery. And so I slipped off and I was just hanging on to the boat from the side. Oh and I was God. like, I can't get out because the water is cold, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't get out. Oh my God. And Brandon's like, don't worry in a minute, you'll be able to touch again. And I was like, of course, the time that I fall off, no kidding. it's like t- above my head yeah. and I can't touch it. Anyway, 
So uh, then I was that's wet scary. for like six hours. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Actually, like, that doesn't sound like a fun time. It was beautiful though. Mm -hmm. We had a, we did have fun. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad we didn't die. I'm so glad. Yeah, I mean that's it was touch and go. No, I mean it wasn't ever really, but that you know sounds, what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So what a anyway. story. And my niece, she's like, I would do this every weekend. Let's do it again. Trip two. Let's go. I was else. like. <laughs> well, the kayaks didn't have any trouble okay, because it's they easy yeah. to maneuver the kayaks around right. those down she trees. she was in the kayak. She was not. She was on the raft. Oh. But she has a broken finger. And yeah. so, and she just had surgery on it. So she was doing nothing. No, none of the lifting. So yeah. she stayed on the boat. She was uh, like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, so man. it was fun. Yeah. But scary. Yeah. And also fun. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you made it out. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. We're alive. Here we are. Here I we did are. get a little bit of color. Yeah. Just got some vitamin D to That's help nice. my bones. Yeah, there you go. See? Yep. All right. Preventing well, osteoporosis. I'm going to talk to people today about the herpily herpes. Yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's going to be really great. <laughs> I call it the herpily herpes because that's a Dane Cook joke. I don't know if any of you know this Dane Cook, but he's he used to be super funny. I used to listen to him all the time, and I went to him live. He was just amazing. But the herpily herpes that I'm talking about is genital herpes. Yeah, which isn't really fun. It's not fun. But, um, you know, there's a stigma behind it. Yeah. It's super prevalent. It and we just have to learn how to be safe. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, we don't know when we've been exposed or not exposed. And some people have outbreaks and other people don't. Yeah. And it's just really tricky. So I'm just going to lay it down for you. And then um, you guys can decide how to be the safest in your own personal um, situations. Yeah. That okay. sounds great. So I'm going to start with the epidemiology, okay. which I think is fascinating, but it is. some people find it boring. I never find it boring. Okay. So HSV 1 and 2, there's two types, yeah. are common infections worldwide. Okay. They can both cause genital herpes, if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly, genital herpes or genital HSV is frequently underdiagnosed because... Oh the infection is often subclinical uh -huh. or without symptoms. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people who will get tested um, when they've had multiple partners or whatever, never had an outbreak, but want testing mm -hmm. and they're positive. I, I know. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh, I didn't even know I had it. Yeah. <clears throat> and the majority of general herpes infections are transmitted by people uh, unaware they have the infection right. is the problem or they're asymptomatic when transmission occurs. Mm -hmm. So Condoms. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. Um, prior HSV-1 infection increases your likelihood of asymptomatic HSV-2. Oh, really? I by no, threefold. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Because, you know, HSV-1 is like a cold sore. It's very yeah, common. It is very common. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm a little paranoid about acquiring them because they mm. look so painful. Yeah. And... Uncomfortable. I've never had them before. Me neither. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah. Well, I, I really try not to share things with yeah. people. Yeah. In my old age. Yeah. And okay. the teenagers at school. They share everything. They're gross. Yeah. You know? I'm like, you guys, stop sharing stuff all the time. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. Don't, don't be a, a germ. No. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell everybody they have cooties. Like, yeah. boys have cooties. Everybody, girls have yeah. cooties. Just 
keep your cooties to yourself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so true. Um, Having a prior HSV-1 infection does not seem to affect the rate of acquiring HSV-2. Oh. So just having it doesn't increase the likelihood, but prior HSV infection increases the likelihood of asymptomatic Asymptomatic. HSV-2. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, HSV-1, I'm going to just break it down a little bit, has been associated with increased proportion um, of, or an increased proportion of genital herpes. Okay. Especially in young women, of course, as well as men who have sex with men. Okay. So it's kind of, um, it seems like it's easier to be transmitted from or to a woman by a penis or from a man to a man by their penis. Okay. If it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there was a retrospective study analyzing general herpes from the university student health services in the United States. Okay. And they found that HSV one was more isolated in women than men. Okay. Um, and new diagnosed HSV one genital infection had increased 30 from 31% in 1993 to 78% <sighs> in 2001. Oh, and I just thought that that was staggering. Wow. Yeah. That is stag- And what is it? That was in 2001. Yeah. So it's probably even worse now. I agree. Yeah. Thanks. So HSV2, between 2005 and 2010, the zero prevalence. So that means that HSV2 was found in the blood. Okay. Um, in the United States, was approximately 16% among those age 14 to 49. Oh, wow. So that was just in those five years. Mm-hmm. Um, one study of 7,000, a little over 7,000 people showed that the prevalence, of course, increased with age and number of sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, and the prevalence was greater in women than men, 21 versus 12%. Wow. It sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was three times greater among non-Hispanic black patients, 39%, than non-Hispanic white patients, which was 12%. Oh, wow. Most recurrent um, genital herpes causes are caused by HSV-2. Okay, right. Right. So if you're going to have it and you're going to get it again, it's going to be HSV-2 rather than HSV-1. Right. So um, the World Health Organization states that in 2016, 3.7 billion people under the age of 50 or 67% of the global population right. have HIV or H- HSV, not HIV, sorry, HSV-1 infection. Oh, wow. Oral or genital. Wow. That's a Three lot of people. 3.7 billion people have HSV-1. Yeah, I feel justified in my... Um... Like not sharing yes. things of people. And the thing is, is that most HIV, um, why do I keep I saying know. that? That's terrible. Most HSV-1 infections, I'm going to just say my, most herpes. Yeah. Um, no, I can't say that because it's one and two. Okay. Most HSV-1 infections occur in childhood. Which is really okay. sad, yeah. but your but that makes your sense. mama has a cold sore. Right. You and share a drink, and then yeah. you can get yeah, it. it yeah. It's just why it's so prevalent. It's yeah. just sad. So don't share your drinks if yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah. So in 2016, data showed that HSV two occurred in 13 percent of people age 14 to 49, which is 
you know, 491 million people. So that's genital. Yeah. It's not as much, but it's growing. Right. And that was in 2016. Yeah. And that's the most recent data. Okay. Um, So says the World Health Organization. Right. HSV2 is more prevalent um, or infects more women related to this Mm -hmm. sexual transmission being more efficient from men to women. And I, we talked about that. Yeah. But the prevalence increases with age, although the highest number of new infections are in adolescence, which just makes me so sad. Yeah. You know, like. Because it can be prevented a lot of times. Well, it can. Yeah. Or you can prolong your um, risk. Right. You know, um, exponentially if you're very cautious and if your partner is very um, open with you or you're open with your partner. So it's very, very important to trust that person that you're giving your body to. So um, types of infection. So there's primary and this refers to the infection um, of a person who has never had it before or never had antibodies in their serum or um, anything. So no outbreaks, no um, seropositive um, antibodies for either type one or two. So that would be primary. Um, and then non-primary is the first episode or infection of HSV one in a person with antibodies to HSV two or an infection of general HSV two in a patient with pre-existing HSV one antibodies. So that would be non-primary. So there's already one, but then the second one came second one. Okay. Yeah. And so a person with prior oral labial herpes and subsequent development of HSV-1 antibody, their response develops genital herpes due to HSV-2 exposure. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's really confusing, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. So recurrent. Right. Um, You can treat genital herpes, but you can't cure it. Right. So um, recurrence refers to reactivation of the genital HSV, which is herpes simplex virus. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a virus in which the HSV type recovered in the lesion is the same as the antibodies in the serum. So that means that you're having the same reaction again. Right. Um, And the frequency of this recurrence depends on severity, duration, the initial episode, the infecting serotype, because there's different types, and the host. So how your body kind of receives that virus. Yeah. There was a study of about 457 people, and they all had HSV-2. 89 had recurrence during a follow-up, like, um, in, like, 300. I don't know where they pick these numbers, but 391 days was the follow-up time. Okay. It's not a year. It's so, not weeks. It's just 391 days. It's so random. But um, 89% of the, the, these patients had recurrence at least once. Oh, okay. Wow. 38% had six or more. Wow. And 20% had more than 10. Wow. Yeah. So. Within that Yeah. Within 391 time, days. Holy schmoly. Yeah. So you can imagine the per, that 20%, like, yeah, which that is one in five. means that they, like, basically perpetually had it. Every month. Every month. Yeah. yeah. It's really sad. Wow. Right? Okay. And this is without any um, treatment. 
Right. Well, or, you know, taking like medication to help prevent. Well, yeah, I'm not really sure. I didn't look into like the specifics of their inclusion criteria. Yeah. Okay. Um, So patients that had a first outbreak that lasted five weeks or more had earlier and almost twice as often outbreaks compared to those who had a shorter primary infection. Oh, interesting. So if you can get treatment quickly, Mm -hmm. your likelihood of recurrence is much lower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And recurrence is more prevalent with HSV2, 60 um, versus 14%, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. So HSV1 is more common with less recurrence. With less occurrence. Oh, And genital uh, or HSV2 is 60%, so more recurrence, but less common. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Also... um, Recurrence is more common in the uh, immunosuppressed individuals, which makes makes sense sense. just in general. And any of these types, HSV1 or 2, can be symptomatic or asymptomatic, Mm -hmm. which an asymptomatic infection will only be detected if the the patient's PCR test is positive. Oh. So um, that's the only way you can tell if they have no symptoms. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you can spread it without an active outbreak or do you have to have an outbreak? Well, so you you just have to be shedding the virus and that doesn't have to be during an outbreak. It It could be before the outbreak. It could be because it's an outbreak, but you don't have symptoms. So there's nothing there. Like you can't see, but you're still shedding that viral. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there was a study about um, transmission And it was only 200 people or 199 individuals, and they were newly acquired HSV genital infections. And um, the sexual relationship range median was 3.5 months. So it was 1.5 to 10 months that they were following these individuals. And um, the sexual acts prior to transmission of HSV2 was 40 Okay. So that's how many encounters. Right. And if you think about when you're young and having the encounters, yeah, that's not very long. Um, right. Condom use was infrequent. So 50% yeah. during the first time. So they're real like, you know, wow. but only 20% during the last intercourse before oh. diagnosis. So we have to be, vil- yeah. you know, vigilant right. and very purposeful on wearing condoms yeah. to prevent the spread of this. Right. And I know condoms suck. Everybody knows condoms suck, but they're also great in they're preventing these things that, of, yes, that you don't want. Right. This, or that you, them. you know, it's just a different lifestyle that you have to mm-hmm. have once you have been exposed right. to keep not only you, but your partner and perhaps yeah. your offspring yeah. protected. Right. So, um, The study also found that if the partner disclosed that they had genital herpes, it was a longer time to exposure, like 270 days versus when you didn't, they didn't like tell their partner, it was 60 days, which is devastating. So these people didn't know and then they got it because they didn't realize they needed to be careful. We should always be careful. Always assume. Always assume. 
they, they have everything. They have everything. And yeah. if you if you need to look at pictures of there's syphilis lots. or gonorrhea or chlamydia, if there's general anything, warts. genital warts, oh, you just go ahead and take a look at those pictures yeah. and then wrap it up, baby. Yeah, because it'll it'll frighten you. Uh it and it's or not it pleasant. Should. It should. Yeah. You know, at least make you a few think. moments of quote unquote increased pleasure. Um or a lifetime of dealing with a disease that yeah. can have been prevented, you know? Yeah. And it's not always prevented because sometimes it's not, not people's fault. Sure, sure. Like they have no idea. Sure. But, and some people don't get choices. Right. Which we're not going to go into. We're but not going to. this is just but a, a blanket time, statement. A lot of time. If, you, can have, if you can be careful. Then. Yeah, be yeah. careful. Um, so, the clinical features, by, like, really are depending on the person. So, it, yeah primary non-primary or recurrent all look different for every person um primary the average incubation period after exposure is about four days oh. so that could be two to 12 days okay which is insane yeah and the presentation is highly variable like i was saying right. it can be severe with painful genital ulcers or ulcerations you can get painful urination um, a fever uh, the inguinal uh, lymphadenopathy, so that's like swollen lymph nodes mm -hmm. in your groin that just are really uncomfortable. You can get a headache. Um, other patients present with mild or no symptoms at all. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but it's how your body responds. Mm -hmm. um, there's no clinical difference between HIV 1 and 2 presentations, severe or mild. Wow. It can be severe with HSV-1 or severe with HSV-2 and mild with both. Interesting. And the lesions, they kind of look, um, if we're to describe them, their mm -hmm. characteristics are like they're grouped together often and they're two to three millimeters. So pretty, mm -hmm. small, pretty small vesicles are usually fluid filled and they're circular and um, less than a centimeter generally. So they're smaller with an associated underlying redness. And then this progresses into vesculopustules mm -hmm. or erosions that then turn into ulcerations. Mm -hmm. And then those pustules can have a central depression in them. Mm -hmm. And that's considered umbil umbilic umbilicated, <laughs> sorry. Umbilicated. umbilicated, because it's in the circle, it's like depressed oh. yeah and then the erosions and the alterations they also have like scalloped borders mm -hmm. um and they start getting kind of crusty and flaky so um that's what they look like mm -hmm. if you've not seen them or if you you find yourself observing with a mirror as you should mm -hmm. your genital region so you know what it looks like and what's normal to be there mm -hmm. and what's not normal to be there i really encourage you to look yeah. and then if you see something like this go in to yeah. your provider yes. and talk to them immediately yeah. um so generally the first episode uh that you get is associated with fewer lesions mm -hmm. and less symptoms um so this would be non-primary though because okay. your primary infection the very first one is your worst generally people have oh, the worst okay. of, you know on their first outbreak oh interesting yeah okay. so your first episode after discovery is usually much less okay does that make sense yeah um and this is because the antibodies of one type offer some protection against oh, the okay. next yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. and then um 
it just becomes less and less severe, but sometimes it's the same and it's just different. Like again, the host, it's really determinant on um, certain triggers. Right. So those can be illness or sun exposure. So the more sun, sun exposure, exposure that you have, the more um, you'll get oral herpes. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, you know? I think, I think it's just the, um, I don't really know, but I would imagine it's the stress the on your skin, skin. Yeah. um, is creating a mm -hmm. response and then, you know, it sets off yeah, a chain reaction. Yeah. The menstrual cycle, uh, injury, emotional stress or surgery. Yeah. So anything, anything that compromises your immune system, your immune system mm -hmm. or your healthiest self um, yeah. can trigger this. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's how viruses work. Yeah. Treatment. It's most effective when you initiate it within 48 hours of the first onset of symptoms. So a lot of people will come in who've had this before and mm -hmm. like, yep, it's coming. It's I coming. need something I can, right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, generally are given antivirals, mm -hmm. which is like acyclovir yeah. or phallocyclovir. And um, they they um, treat symptomatic. Wait, I'm sorry. Sorry. We, <laughs> we had an stressed. event. We had an event. Something the, just fell off the wall. In the pod lab. Yeah. Um, so symptomatic treatment is used for those who get very infrequent infections. So you know, you might get it once a year or once every other year and you come in and you get treatment for that, or you might have a prescription and you only treat it when you're having symptoms, mm -hmm. but then there's prophylactic okay. treatment. So for those who get 10 reoccurrences a year, they're going to take a smaller dose of the antiviral every day to prevent, okay. um, outbreak. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about treatment, don't forget about the power of over-the-counter medications, ibuprofen, Tylenol, and topical like lidocaine and benzocaine for lesions can right. be really helpful. Um, think about when you're talking about oral um, HSV, think about cold drinks and popsicles because it kind oh, of yeah. soothes that area. Yeah. And then um, a warm bath might help for 20 minutes, but remember no fragrance or soap mm -hmm. and then wearing looser clothing can help. So, yeah, you know, there's not really much, but if you can identify that you have an have issue it, right. and get it, get a treatment yeah, and do it right now, then you're going to have a less likely situation, like a less, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A less painful and lengthy occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's also extra genital complications that can happen, oh. which I did not know all of them. I knew some of them. I didn't okay. know all of them. So there's neurologic things that can happen. Okay. So, um, it really happens rarely, but with patients that have a primary HSV infection, they can get meningitis. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Or something called sacral radiculitis. Okay. And this is an acute urinary retention because there's loss of sacral sensation. Oh, wow. And it's caused by lumbosacral radiculitis, which is secondary to a severe HSV infection. Wow. So what happens is it, um, it, there's inflammation around 
the nerve root in the lower back and it causes sensory deficit or severe pain. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. And so it's transient, meaning that it will resolve, but individuals often need catheterization because they cannot go to the bathroom until there's clinical improvement. Wow. It's intense. No kidding. It's rare, but it's happened from severe infection. Wow, I had no idea. I didn't either. And then there's also proctitis, which is, um, you know, inflammation of the lining of the rectum. That also, um, it often happens with men who have sex with men. Okay. Yeah, which makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's neonatal herpes. Yeah. Which can occur when an infant is exposed to HSV yeah. during delivery. There is vertical transmission, but it's super rare. Right. And I didn't go into it because I don't want to freak out everyone. Um, But it's super rare. The incidence of neonatal herpes is about 10 and 10,000. So very low. um, And that's globally, those statistics. And um, the problem is, is that even though it's low, it's severe. Yeah. Like the, the symptoms are severe and often can cause Mm -hmm. life-changing neurologic disability yeah and it can even cause death i have a story oh yeah i want to hear this is a good place yeah tell me i had a patient this is a very long time ago but she came in with her whole family i think her water broke or i don't know she was coming in for a labor check and she had had she had um identified an outbreak just days before Oh. And so she had been put not put on some acyclovir, yeah. or some kind of medication like yeah. that. And I went to go check her, um, and I saw this lesion, and I was like, "Oh, I never seen it before. It was the only time. It was yeah. actually really interesting." And um, but it was ulcerated at mm-hmm. that point, and it looked like it was starting to kind of crust over a little uh-huh. bit. But I had the provider come and look at it. Yep. Um, because you don't want to deliver yeah. vaginally if you mm-hmm. have an active outbreak because of this neonatal. Right. Um, infection that they can get. And so it did, they did decide that she needed to have a cesarean Mm -hmm. um, just to prevent that. And her, of course her family didn't know. I don't know. I stepped out of the room and I let her tell her family the reason we were going for a cesarean. That was none of my business, but yeah. um, Yeah. It was just interesting. And um, so identifying that you have this. Super important. um, Yeah. Super important and early as early as you can so that you can prevent like a situation like that. Yeah. Because at 36 weeks gestation, we often start that low dose prophylactic um, treatment that's daily that just prevents it. Mm -hmm. Or if your partner has it, then we treat you still, even Mm -hmm. if you've always tested negative and it just prevents that primary, you know, situation that you don't want to have when you're pregnant. Right. Yeah. So that leads me right into pregnancy. Perfect. Yeah. Um, The major concern in pregnancy is not the mom or the outbreak. It's the passing it on or the transmission to the newborn. And um, it usually occurs during labor as a direct result of contact with the lesion passing from either the vulva, the vagina, the cervix, or the perianal area, which happens, you know. Um, a lot of people don't realize it can be down there, but it can be on your buttock. It yeah, can be anywhere. near the rectum. It can be anywhere. Yeah. So just and it, in the vagina as well. Yeah. In yeah, and, and on the and, cervix. Yeah. So places you don't you even see. You don't see those. Right. Yeah. And um, it can shed without lesions or symptoms. So yeah, it's I did not tricky. know that actually. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, is interesting to me because then it's it's not as prevalent, right? Sure. So, but it happens. Yeah. And, um, that's just how viruses work. Right. Um, the highest risk to neonate is primarily 
a, a new infection near the time of delivery or an outbreak near the time of delivery. So a cesarean decreases the risk, but does not eliminate it sure. of transmission to the newborn if there's an active lesion. Right. And a cesarean is recommended if there's currently active lesions. Right. Um, I've had providers, um, well, when I was a nurse, just cover the lesion with oh, interesting. like a tachyderm, especially if it was more like on the buttock and uh -huh. it was just one and it was very isolated and they could cover it. But I'm not sure you know, how much viral load is sure. where when right. that occurs. Theoretically, it would be right near right. that lesion. Um, yeah, I didn't quite look into that, but yeah. it's interesting. interesting. It's an yeah. interesting thought. And um, a primary outbreak on a non-primary first general outbreak. So does that make sense? <laughs> so this is like your, um, you've had the, you've had, uh, HSV one in, and you know about it, but you've never had an outbreak and now you've got an outbreak. Okay. And if you do that six weeks prior to birth or just primary HSV, um, then they would still recommend a cesarean, oh, okay. even if there was no active lesions, because, oh, because with it being because your first, first one, it's, it's the longest, oh, it lasts the longest. And, um, yeah, so, the problem is, is that transmission and optimal management is still really unclear and uncertain. And so right. it's really provider patient conversation right. and risk benefit discussion. And then you choose. So some moms forego a cesarean and it's very reasonable for other moms to request a cesarean. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and you don't do routine testing. In not with HSV one or yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. So it's not routine. Right. Um, yeah. Interesting. I don't know if testing would be beneficial. Yeah. I, I almost think it could stir up more mm -hmm. issues. <laughs> I actually I had a woman that. who um, was in a part, like in a relationship for 20 years, maybe it was even 25 years. And she came in and I was like, well, I think this is what you have, but let's do some uh, viral cultures. And, and it did turn out to be that. And she was so upset mm -hmm. and she had been in this relationship for a long time. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I got this from him. And, and she was very mad. And I said, well, the reality is, is if you've ever slept with more than one person, it could be any person, right. especially if he's never had an outbreak, you know? Right. And so it was really hard for her to take that and receive that information and not be mad at her right. current partner. Because it really could have been a 20 year ago yes, exposure. Because people yeah. can go their entire life yeah. and not have it diagnosed. It's so under diagnosed, especially right. when there's no symptoms. Right. So you just got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my genital herpes conversation. Wow. I just feel like it's really important for people to know yeah. all of the things. Yeah, there were things that I had no idea. So um, wrap it up. Wrap it up, literally. Love your partner with all you got, but always make them wear a condom. Mm -hmm. 60 days when you didn't know about it. Right. And um, yeah, you know. Yeah, if you're really careful, you can really, body. really be, you know, you can really prevent mm -hmm. a lot of heartache. Mm -hmm. That's true. Questions, yeah. uncertainty and pain. Yeah. And I always just say, don't, um, 
take a chance with your reproductive health. Yeah. Like just don't. And if you already have it, mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up. No. It's done. You can't fix it, but you can prevent passing it. You can. And you can be a good um, steward of your mm -hmm. own health. Yeah. And you can make sure that if you're somebody who has multiple outbreaks to go see your provider mm -hmm. and get on prophylaxis yeah. medication, yeah. you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be embarrassed yeah. because obviously a lot of people, are the world the has this. Yeah. yeah. And so just remember that. And it's not, it doesn't make you dirty. It does not. It just makes you um, have something that you need to be aware of. Aware of. Yeah. Okay. So, so just that know that. Make the best choices. For, for you and, and your partner. Partner yeah. and your future and all of the things. Yeah. So we hope that this finds you happy and healthy. And don't forget to share your stories. Share your stories. Yeah. Maybe you have, um, it. you know, a genital herpes tail oh. or an... Um, how you got your first <laughs> oral lesion. Who knows? Oh, I mean, there's going to be some stories. There are some interesting yeah. stories, yeah. And, um, you know, we all are here to make one another feel seen mm -hmm. and heard and normal yeah, in our crazy stuff. abnormal world, mm -hmm. right? So we hope you feel enlightened. We do. Spread love and laughter. Yes. Bye. Bye.